Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Game Over Ottawa. Back for season two. Maud and Charlie here once again. How are you doing tonight, Charlie? I mean, all things considered, I think I think I'm doing pretty great. Um, <laughs> we'll get into the game in a second, but I, I, more more than anything, I'm just thrilled to be back for another season of Game Over. Me and too, uh, me too. I've been I've been counting down the days since. Uh, I mean, I, th- I think I probably got through May enjoying time off. And then by the time June rolled around, I was like, you know what? I'm ready for I'm ready for season two. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was damn near six months without any sense hockey. It uh, honestly, Brutal. I feel like it went by kind of quickly for me. But when I think about it, that that's a long ass time. That's what happens when you don't make the playoffs at all. You don't even get uh, even just an extra week like the teams that get swept in the first round get uh Maybe we'll get there this year, but who knows? Especially uh, based off of this first game, it seems like there are going to be some issues. But uh, I guess we should just jump into it, eh? Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, talk about this game for <laughs> as long as we have to. Yeah, Um. since it's been so long since our last episode as well, we're also going to get into a lot of the off-season stuff that we haven't really had a chance to talk about on the show. And I think some of them should relate into tonight's game pretty well too especially like i guess i think we'll just get into it right away is that matthew joseph has been the favorite to be traded off of this team and he was probably ottawa's best skater tonight wasn't he oh yeah no doubt no doubt at all he he looked phenomenal um i don't know if he came into camp knowing that like you know everyone's like oh he's i'm I'm the guy to, to be traded or something like that but he's yeah he's been unbelievable um Honestly, like, okay, I don't want to like paint broad strokes or anything right away, but honestly, like, I think everybody on the team was more or less like okay, except for Joseph. Like, he was, I think, honestly, he's the only one that consistently impressed me this game. Mm-hmm. Um, me too. the rest of the team, I was pretty lukewarm on uh, tonight. I'll give a I'll give a little shout out to Parker Kelly as well, getting that goal since he's not usually much of a goal scorer. It was very funny that both of our first two goals this season were from from Joseph and Kelly, who probably I think they combined for like four goals total last year or something like that. So good that for both right. of them tonight. But yeah, like you said, other than Joseph and maybe Kelly, like everyone else tonight was was between like average to bad. I thought like I didn't think anyone was truly like really bad, but it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't the best from our top guys, and it uh, it really showed with some some stretches of play where uh, the Sens were just getting dominated, and Carolina was able to take over. Yeah, it, I don't know. Preseason feels like it's like three months long, and I don't know. Maybe every team fan, every team's fan base feels this way, but like it felt like holy shit! Like, did the Sens need like an extra three months of preseason? <laughs> like, oh, holy God. shit! It's like I don't know. Everyone looked like they was they were slow. Um, except I don't know. Hurricanes look pretty sweet. Uh, from from the very beginning, they looked like they they were they were in mid season form. I think it's funny too because uh, a six and two record in the preseason, and the only two losses were against uh, Montreal both times where we were playing like our absolute not even our B team but our C team. And you mentioned like the preseason feeling too long. Like after those back to back shutouts against uh, 
Pittsburgh and Winnipeg, I was like, ah, yeah, we're good. We're good. We don't need any more preseason. But apparently, maybe maybe they could have used a few more warm-up games. But I think just the main thing is that the Sens didn't play any teams nearly as good as Carolina in the preseason, especially when a lot of teams are not icing their full lineups in many of the games. So it it was just a case of a much tougher opponent here tonight uh, that exposed some of the Sens' weaknesses. A tougher opponent and just, like, not showing up as well. Honestly, like most of the teams just didn't show up. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anyone you want to talk about specifically on the negative side, because I think we're done with the positive side, just talking about Joseph and, and <laughs> yeah, Kelly. Yeah, there wasn't much. Yeah. Um, I feel like I feel like I know who you have in mind for who you would name as a, a, really? a negative tonight. I feel, well, I feel like we, we just have to say Travis Hamanick. Oh, he wasn't even like one of the worst ones in my mind. Okay, okay, because I thought oh, ter- he had I a mean, very still bad, poor like, game. Like you know, yeah. uh, delay of game, penalty, all that. You know, I mean, it's Hamnick. It's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, um, to to you, you're just like, yeah, that's usual Hamnick behavior. Yeah, no, it's, that's mid season form Hamnick. That's <laughs> that's he's he's ready. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's already in in peak form. But who did you think was yeah. uh, was not so great tonight? So I I'll start with like a very middling player. For tonight, I think, as far as like just like a little bit in the really bad, but also kind of anyway, I'm rambling. I'm just gonna say like Corpusalo, um mm-hmm. up until those last two goals looked great. Like he made a bunch of saves he had no business making, and then just gave up two just like it complete softballs um as, as soon as the game was tied. Um and, and to be fair, I mean the Sens had no business. Uh, being in the game at that point when it was three three, like there's no reason that the Sens should have been like in that spot. They'd not play well enough to be tied with the Hurricanes that late. But and like I mean, on the I think it was a Slavin goal was the fifth goal, right? So on yeah. that one, Sanderson played that one a little bit weak, sure, but that's still a complete softball that Corpusella should have had. The Brady Shea shot, I mean, he just missed it. Like he he just missed it with with his glove. So. And I and I don't want to like pile on the dude because, again, he made some phenomenal saves. Like he looked great for for a good chunk of the game. Just those last two, just those last two, just looked terrible on on those. Yeah, I think you're spot on, and it sucks because I was feeling really confident in Corpusello's performance. Yeah. Uh, or like pretty much all the way till the end of the second period, like even when it was 2-1, I thought the first three goals, really, he had no chance on. They were all like inexcusable defensive breakdowns. So the whole time I was just like, well, it's it's over 30 shots, you know, at the beginning of the third period, three goals against. It's not bad considering um, they weren't really ones that I would blame Corpusalo for. But then, yeah, just the two stinkers in the third period, they, they were both ugly ones. Um, I guess like you can excuse him a little bit because it's still it's first regular season game with a new team and you know as a goalie you still got to learn how how this team plays and you know what their defensive issues might be and and how to cover for them uh but but like i i almost kind of feel bad for corpusello uh having to learn this system that we're playing because it's a mess it's it's always been a mess it seems like it's it hasn't really improved too much uh from last year at least in the early goings here there's no like it doesn't even look like they have a defensive system. Like this, like it looks like nobody knows who their man is. It, it looks like no one knows who to cover. Um, and I mean, like I mean, I think perfect example is granted. Um, they were shorthand at the time, but that bunting goal, just wide yeah, open, ridiculous. had all the time in the world. Dude, dude could have like done a couple spins before he put the puck in. Like, 
<laughs> there's awful uh, positioning. I just I think um who was on D for that? I think it was Hamnick and Sanderson, and they yeah, both just they both, they both pinched up. up. They yeah. were yeah, just too just too much, and just left the guy just left Bunting completely on his own. Um, that one you can't put on Corpusella at all. That's complete. That's just a defensive Definitely. breakdown, mm-hmm. PK or not. I don't care. That's inexcusable the positioning on that. Um, and then yeah, I, I guess the other two goals um, are. I mean, as much as they can be, they're fine in my books i think really i mean like one you can't blame on corpus the other two you absolutely can um and as far as the other ones um the setup on the teravinen goal was just i mean like there's nothing corpus can do granted teravinen was pretty wide open so that might also be an issue i didn't have as much issue with that as the bunting goal um yeah. Anyway, I, it just feels like, and I don't, I don't. I'm, I, before we started, I was like, I'm just going to do my best to not overreact to anything because it's one game. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, cards on the table. I didn't really watch any of the preseason. Um, I was not going to stay up because I, I was still in England at the time. So I was like, I'm not staying up till midnight. Oh my god! To you start fake a fan. preseason game. Fake fan. A fake fan. <laughs> you fake have fan to who didn't want to sleep in until two p.m. <laughs> In didn't want to, yeah. Didn't want to stay up till like five a.m. just to watch our AHL players uh, bumbling around out there in preseason. I don't. I don't, know, blame, if I was, yeah, I don't blame you. Hey, I sorry I didn't want to stay up for the Laval Belleville games, but you know, <laughs> I just I couldn't do it. Um, but yeah, uh, all that to say, I'm rambling at this point already. We're what minute um eleven? <laughs> nice. Um, that's okay. We're here for the rambling. That's that's what it's we do. Terrible. Yeah, so all that to say, the defensive system is it's fucked. <laughs> like I don't know, I don't know what's going on, um, but it's it's just not working. Um, they they seem lost out there. So hopefully they can sort that out. I mean, DJ was already shaking it up, changing the defensive pairings in the third period. It's game one, dude. Yeah, like either they game. either they know the system or they don't teach them the system. And if that still doesn't work, then, you know, anyway, sorry. Mm-hmm. Next thing I could I could just say the same thing for the next 10 minutes. Let's, let's move along to something else. I guess uh, before we get back into another topic, I will just let everyone watching know that uh, we kind of have a little bit of a format change this year where we're going to be doing sort of a Q&A segment at the end of every episode. So feel free to leave your questions in the chat and we will be looking for them towards the end of the episode. We will definitely uh, love to go over your comments. Uh, We're just going to kind of organize it towards the end of the episode. So whatever you have on your mind, whatever it is, even if it's not necessarily relevant to what we're currently talking about, let us know in the chat and we will answer some of those questions uh, at the end of the episode. But uh, from there, I guess, since we were talking about Corpus Salo, I feel like I, I have to ask you, were you a fan of the signing in the summer? No, cards on the table. I wasn't. I mean, if I would have been a bigger fan of and and this sounds so stupid because the sends are in cap hell without everyone signed, obviously without Pinto still. But on a on a contract for someone like Corpus and obviously this maybe this would have meant that you can't sign him because maybe the main thing for him was the term on it. Five years at four million a year for a goalie who hasn't put together back to back decent seasons, not even good, yep. decent. Yep. Corpus Owls looked great, terrible, all right, terrible, great. It, it's it, one of the least consistent goalies. And granted, maybe a lot of that has to do with Columbus's defense over the last few years. But the the the, the thing is still he has been 
not at all consistent through his career. So I would have been happier with shorter term, bit more money up front. Honestly, like if if it had been instead of say like a four a five year twenty million contract, if the Sens had signed him to like I don't know two year twelve million, even like it's not Six great. Million still, average would have been crazy for him, but I I, I do oh, for also, sure. I would also prefer the two year term term as There's well. It's just like the two year term sound, and I obviously like I know it's probably it's probably a stupid thing to even bring up because like if if the dude's looking for five years, the guy's looking for five years. Like that's just the the way it is. But the term is what scares me. Um, mm-hmm. If he can be even like a league average goalie. Four million a year, especially with the cap supposedly finally going up, four million a year is great. If he can be, if he can be even league average, ideally above league average. But if he, if the guy can put up between a nine oh five and like a nine ten for the next five years, I'm thrilled with that contract. It's just that every other year it usually starts with an eight. So. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed. I'm rooting for the guy, and I I really really hope it works out. Um, but at the time, I was not too thrilled with it. No, I don't. I don't how, how did you feel? My opinions are almost like exactly the same as yours. Like I'm really rooting for Corbisalo to be great for the Sens. Just obviously as a fan, and also yeah. as a Columbus fan. Uh, ever since he came up from their AHL team, I've really liked this guy. But you are so correct that he is incredibly up and down. He's had some great stretches in the regular season and some amazing playoff series. And then he has had some absolutely awful uh, seasons. Like, I think it was the season before last one, like uh, 21-22. He was so bad that I thought he was going to kind of bomb out of the league. And then he had a bit of a, res- of a resurgence last year and suddenly his value around the whole league rose and uh, he got to play for the Kings in the playoffs. Um, so obviously he does have the talent, but does he have the consistency? And that's why I agree with you about the whole term thing. When when I saw that contract announced on uh, on July 1st, the term scared me right away. It's just, I feel like if a goalie isn't going to be like an elite starter who is uh, playing like 60 games for you, uh, yeah. five-year term is a little bit excessive the cap hit will be fine with the cap going up but sure. uh term term is definitely questionable i i pretty much agree with you i'm much happier with that contract if the in this like 1a 1b scenario um if that other goalie had a bit had a bit more of a consistent track record than than forsberg does because mm-hmm, forsberg has yeah. been phenomenal for a year and then was not super great, but also very injured the next. So mm-hmm. if, if, cause that's just, I, I think it's just one of those things where the Sens kind of have two goalies in that camp of like, are they going to be great? Are they going to be below league average? And so when you have two of those guys taking up both goaltending spots without much, cause like some, some teams will have one of those guys and they're like, well, worst case, we'll just call someone up who's hot in the AHL. Sens don't really have that opportunity. Well, fingers crossed they don't because last year they had seven different goalies start a game for them because injuries were such a big problem. Um, yeah, it just kind of kind of makes things a bit trickier. And I don't know, maybe and I, I think I saw some people who would prefer to go into the season with Forsberg and then whoever the best um, goalie currently in the AHL is based on camp. And I mean, that's still pretty risky, but. Yeah, like I definitely think the Stens needed to go out and get a goalie this offseason. Mm-hmm. So I think overall, I'm glad that they did. And I'm not yeah. like angry about the contract or anything. It's just that I'm not like 
totally sold just yet. We we need him to have a really good season. And uh, again, in terms of the term, like there's a um, there is a possibility that this works out perfectly. Where I think Forsberg has two years left, and then you know. If Corbisalo is the better goalie over those next two years, then you let Forsberg go and then Sogard comes up to uh, continue the tandem then with Corbisalo. But then there is also a bad path where Forsberg heavily outplays Corbisalo, you know, and then you have uh, Corbisalo locked up for longer while you want to give Forsberg a raise. And then you got to like, I don't know, buy out Corbisalo or something and then and then get Sogard. So that's obviously thinking too far ahead, but I don't know. It's It's not like... It's risky. I don't know. It, it, they needed a goalie, but I don't. It's not the best. Yeah, when you when and, and also when you set it up that way, when Forsberg say Forsberg outplays Corpusalo, you know his number has to be higher, mm-hmm, even if mm-hmm. he's someone that you think is probably worth about four per year. It's gonna be higher. Yep, and uh, I guess while we're talking about cap hits, we might as well get to the big shadow that is lingering over this team, which is the Shane Pinto, not even contract negotiations, because I bet that they're pretty close on a contract, but it's just the fact that we have no cap room to actually sign him to a contract. So we saw the team play without our second and third centers tonight, Norris and Pinto. Uh, It wasn't great. I don't think, like, I think Greg was okay. Sharche was okay. But it's just not ideal to have those guys in those spots right now. And uh, right. I don't know. I guess I guess how I'll frame it is what if we're not trading Joseph, like what else can we do? I feel like trading Joseph is like the only possibility, but no one's going to want to trade him after how he played tonight and how he's been in the preseason. No, I don't know what, what you do. Um, I understand that because from what I remember... The Sens approached the Tarasenko camp, couldn't get a deal done. And then when the whatever teams Tarasenko wanted to go to more, when that couldn't happen, they like approached the Sens later and be like, actually, you know what? Maybe we'll maybe we'll do a little something. And then like so I understand like maybe that wasn't part of the plan after the first week of July that Tarasenko was gonna be on the team. But everyone's saying, you know, like Tarasenko's the reason that Pinto isn't on the team right now. No, uh, this might be harsh. Pierre Dorian is the reason that Shane Pinto mm. isn't on the team. It's been, I mean, it's not, you know, in his defense, it's only been like two months since this issue began. So, you know, like how quickly do you want someone to free up cap space in two months? Like, come on, that's, that's pretty quick. Um, No, I, I think it's absolutely, it's embarrassing. It's, it's embarrassing that, that you can't find room in the cap. The number one signed Shane Pinto, but at the po- at this point, like you got sixty k in cap space running. You're you're down a player in game one. Like, so I I honestly thought when the Sens were going to be a cap team, which was the general um, consensus when ownership changed, which. I'm, I am glad to see is the case. I am glad to see that my favorite hockey team is spending to the cap. It's great. But with Pierre, like those last few years under Melnick, he was a master at being just above the cap floor, paying as little as possible in real dollars. Mm-hmm. Has the guy just forgotten? Like, d- 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 like that would have taken, it's, it's such a detailed look at it. 
And it's like now that it's flipped, he's just he just doesn't know how it works anymore. That's really like, funny. I never thought of when, it like when that. you're so focused, like it's it just didn't translate. It just didn't translate to the cap, to the actual cap. He's been so focused on the floor. Maybe he forgot that there's a maximum. I don't know. It's it's just so strange that a guy who, you know, for years has been. I mean, that, like a perfect example is is the is back in the day the Zach Smith for Artem Anisimov trade. Remember that one? Because Anisimov mm-hmm. made like half his cap hit. Like, this is a guy who's been going out and doing that for years. So you'd think he'd be a great GM as far as, yeah, like I said, like being as close to the cap as possible and being able to manage around it. But we're at the point now where the Sens had 11 forwards and couldn't call anyone up. So it's embarrassing all around. The Pinto situation and past that, like I said, not even being able to replace an injured player. You can't call up. I I did the math. 62K, they have 8% of a league min contract in cap space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know what you do with that. It's embarrassing. It's, it's, it's terrible. That was a really funny observation that Pierre is is like the master of the of the cap floor, but uh, the cap ceiling he he hasn't figured that out yet. He's he's not used to it, I guess. And maybe there's some sort of difference there in in the money. Maybe it's harder this way. But uh, that that was really funny. Um, it sucks too because having to play a player short just because of like two injuries as well. Like that's that's not even that many. I saw that uh, Vancouver is also running eleven forwards and sixty tonight, but they have three injuries. It was like three or four or something. So. A little bit tougher for them and uh everyone agreed as well like that Yuri Schmeckel uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right he pretty much earned a spot on the team out of camp and yet we we had to send him down anyway and I I do also wonder if Roby Yarventi uh could have started on the team out of camp uh a a little bit easier for him because he's waivers exempt so you can always uh, let him marinate in the AHL but those are two guys who really earned spots in camp but we're just so close to the cap ceiling that we can't even have uh, what eight hundred thousand dollar contracts instead of uh, the league minimum. Like it's it's only a little bit more money, and we still can't fit those guys in. So it's uh it's looking yeah. like it could be a little bit of a mess here. And like nothing against Rourke Chartier as mm-hmm. as a dude. I think it's great that it's a great story that he made the team. That he's back after so much injury issues and everything. Um. The difference between his contract and Yarventi's is just over one hundred twenty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that amount of money should not be breaking your cap. That amount of money shouldn't Ugh. be an issue. It's it's terrible. It's just horrible mismanagement. We we really went just head first into the cap ceiling. Like it's we. Even at the beginning of last year, we were barely even thinking about it. We were just like, all yeah. we were thinking about it for was like, oh, if we re-sign Dabrinkit, are we going to have room? Or how much money will we have uh, space to actually sign him? And then uh, we don't sign him anyway. And then it ends up we bring in some other players and then we're still, we're, we're capped out even worse. It's, it's, it's wild. Like... I, I, people have been doing a lot of brainstorming on Twitter over the last couple of weeks of how we're even going to make room for Pinto at all. And uh, th- I, I haven't seen any options that I like. Like, they all kind of suck, and most of them yep. involve trading Joseph, and I don't want to do that. That is the problem with uh, a team right on the cap with, I'll say it, zero bad contracts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think any it's of weird. them are bad. It's, it's, it's a tough situation. Like... I, I don't think anyone is overpaid at the moment. Like, they're all all pretty fair. Yeah. So I don't know what the issue is. That's, that's a problem, too. No one's overpaid. 
and the team can't fit everybody. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. and and like I would understand that if this was the case for like Tampa or Carolina, even a perennial playoff team. This team can't make the playoffs. All the players are good. Nobody's overpaid. Oh shit, we don't have room for everybody. Like, what's the problem here? Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't, I'm too dumb to figure it out. These fucking people in charge of my favorite hockey team are in charge of my favorite hockey team. You'd think for a good reason they should be able to figure it out. And I'm sick of it. I just want to oh. watch hockey and not be mad at the cap. Oh, even Toronto, for as much as we make fun of them for, for the contracts and the cap hits, they at least were making the playoffs before they reached all the cap troubles, like at least for a couple of seasons. Uh, we're not even there yet, so it, it's tough to yeah, have you to know, worry about that already. You know what the Leafs did? Mm-hmm. They signed the players who had a good camp and they made the team. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't send the players with a good camp down to the minors and keep the guys who are being paid less. And they've got they've got like five guys making twenty million dollars each. So, like, <laughs> just for the record, uh, any Leafs fans who are watching this, which you're probably not, because Game Over Toronto's on right now, um, I, that is that is an exaggeration. That's me being silly about it. Um, but it is so stupid that the Caps have seemed to. And, and now, as much as Sens fans, as much as we've like made fun of the Leafs for their for their salary structure. Now it's the Sens who are in cap hell. Um and I don't know why. Yep. It's so it, strange. It, it came at us real fast. And like you mentioned that you don't think that Tarasenko is necessarily a problem in terms of the cap hit. Like you still like the addition, right? I think that he's yeah. gonna have to be huge for this team though to to make everyone to like win everyone over because now everyone is thinking like, oh, we gave this guy five million and if he isn't like really good right out of the gate, I think he's going to get a lot of flack, which would be unfortunate, especially just because people people's fan brains are like, oh, the last contract we signed was this veteran for five million and now we can't even sign like our young goal scorer. Um, so like Tarasenko is going to have to step it up. Eh? Even if they re-signed to Brinkett, he'd be making about like not much more than yeah, what like two, Tarasenko two and Kubelik are making combined. Yeah, like, exactly. Bring in Kubelik at two and a half to be like a 20 plus goal score on the third line. That's ideal. That's perfect. Like as far mm-hmm. as, you know, I guess he honestly more, he's probably underpaid, frankly. Um, I think Tarasenko so. can play absolutely above the level of your standard $5 million player. Where's the cap problem? I can't find it. I'm so confused. Mm-hmm. I, I guess the only like alternative sort of would be like if you didn't sign Tarasenko, maybe you sign like a third or fourth line depth winger for one to two million and then you have more room for your depth and your healthy scratches. But I mean, then you're just a worse team on the ice at that point, most likely. Like if we didn't have the injury issues right now and we still had the and we had the full lineup and we had Josh Norris in there. Uh, and then we only need we like even if we still needed to have room for Pinto. But if we had Norris in there, I think. People wouldn't be freaking out as much, but just the fact that we're missing both of those guys, uh, it's yeah. tough. I don't know, and I mean, like removing these guys doesn't completely fix the thing because you maybe maybe you remove them, you have sign, you have room for Pinto, but then you don't even have a full lineup because you can't bring in enough min contracts. Mm-hmm. But this is why you don't sign guys like Hamannick and McEwen to term before you lock yeah. up the important players. A hundred percent. So three anyway. years on McEwen is is just weird. Like I when when I was when it was a few days into free agency and I was like oh we still need some depth forwards like I was seeing his name out there and I was like oh uh, I've I've seen him be like a gritty tough guy before I wouldn't mind signing him and then th- a three-year deal like what 
that had to be like the only way that he was going to sign with us right he was probably just like i don't want to come to ottawa unless you give me term like just unless you give me some job security because otherwise then he's he's bouncing around the the league uh, to different teams on, on one-year deals so i feel like that was probably a case of just like you you had to give him three years but also you could have just not signed him at that point too weird thought um about how that works his agent calls hey do you want to play in ottawa no, I don't really want to go and live in Ottawa. What if you could live there for three years instead? Yes. Like, it, it's <laughs> yeah, I guess, so I guess weird. So. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I for a guy like him, I understand the job security portion of it. Um, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Like, he's on a one way deal, whatever league men. You, yes, you can bury it, but uh, I don't know. And that's the problem too. Is McCune isn't even the problem here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the but thing. Is send him down and call someone else. Everything. You could send him down and then still have no room to bring anybody else up. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's bad. Like who's making sixty k over Min? Yarvensi's making more than that. I think Sokolov is making more than that. Like it's just it's just a problem. Uh, someone needs yeah. to be traded asap, and I don't know who that is. Exactly. Like I keep coming back to it. It's I feel like it's going to be Joseph, especially just because he's playing well. So he's probably raising. His I mean, if you, high, uh, yeah, if you can I, sell high, yeah, sell high. I guess which sell, selling out. high is not attaching a second round pick to him. I guess. I guess so, that's yeah. depressing. <laughs> that's it's real, gonna, That's that's bad. It'll that's be like really getting a fifth round pick or something instead of paying to move him, which which sucks because oh, he he's a good guy and we all like him and he played great tonight. But uh, yeah. Oh, it's tough. It's tough. And can you take you take Joseph off of PK? Who do you replace him with? That's the tough part as well because we've had a lot of uh, like Kelly and Kastelik out there on the PK, which is not always yeah. the best options. So he's he's kind of our top PKer right now. Like Giroud yeah. wins the faceoffs and then he just goes off. Um, and Stutzla is getting good at it, but he's not necessarily the go-to guy yet. So uh, I, I don't I, yeah, know. I, I, I would want to keep him on the second. On the second. Oh yeah, minute. I would. Yeah. For sure, I, so maybe I maybe Schmeckel goes in there, and once we can finally call him up, I don't know. I mean, you move say okay, so say you move Joseph, that frees up three mil. You sign Pinto to what? Probably a somewhere between two two and a half. Mm-hmm. You don't have room for another min call up. Yeah. Um. So Joseph. So say makes... you sign say you sign Pinto for two and a half. Now you have five hundred k plus the sixty k you currently have in cap space. Mm-hmm. It's still it's still a nightmare, unless you yeah. sign Pinto to two even or even below that, you have zero roster flexibility. So Joseph at two point nine, and then say Pinto is two point five. It's like an extra four hundred k. So yeah, you couldn't call up an extra player. It would be a case of like sending someone else down. You would get just a little bit of extra money to afford like the extra amount that Schmeckel or uh, or Yarventi makes and and call yeah. them up. But but you couldn't get an extra player. And and unfortunately, it would have to be Charte sent down because they're not going to send down McEwen after signing him to three years. So mm-hmm, yeah, that'd be the case. But I don't know. It's it's uh, just not oh ideal all across the board. The the, the cap is uh, the cap. <laughs> As a Sens fan who uh, has not cheered for a team that spends to the cap since. 2010 ish yeah since like a few years after the cap was even the yeah i i was always kind of thrilled about the lack of a soft cap about i loved the hard cap because that way teams could never spend more than 20 million dollars than my favorite team because i knew they would be spending a lot more than that Mm -hmm. if there was ever 
a soft cap, or if the Sens ever could spend below the the cap floor, they were going to. Like, make no mistake, the Sens would have been like, you would have looked like, for any baseball fans out there, you would have looked at like the payrolls and the Sens would have been like right there with like the Oakland A's. Um, it would have been bad. Um, if you ever want to have a really fun time, look at baseball team payrolls. They are, there are differences of $150 million plus. Um, yeah, uh, but now... Um, as long as the team keeps spending, and also because I've gotten older and wiser, uh, a little bit wiser, um, yeah, no, the soft cap just makes a lot more sense. Um, I th- and I was I was checking with I was checking with the uh, game over, uh, like the, our group chat just to double check because I was pretty sure that in the NBA men league contracts don't count against the cap, and that's true. And I love oh, that. We need that. I love yep. that. That would just, here's the thing, it sounds like bias just because it would help the sense so much right now, but it would help every team. Like, And there's some teams where if those contracts wouldn't count against the cap, it would give them like an extra $3 million on the cap, right? So yeah. I'm a decent player. So we need that. I, I see no reason to not have that. It's, it's weird that that isn't already a thing. Anyway, uh, let's talk about something else other than the cap because I'm just going to stay riled up. Yeah, I, you know, what I was going to throw to next uh, was we haven't talked about the Debrinka trade at all yet. Um, th- that is a little bit regarding the cap, but we can probably steer the discussion in a way that's not entirely about that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, day it breaks, how do you feel? Um, when I saw the trade return the first time, I was a little bit disappointed just because I was hoping to get like a better, younger player and like maybe Jonathan Bergen or someone like that, as opposed to uh, Donovan Sobrango is like a decent prospect, but he's not like one that you get super excited about as a fan. He's kind of like a a bit more of like a long shot guy. I hope that he ends up playing for the Sens in the future. I think uh, he's a local kid, so that would be an awesome story. But uh, I I was a little bit disappointed at first. The the main thing that I'm clinging to right now is I think that the first round pick is going to be a pretty good asset as long as uh, Boston doesn't have an amazing season and then Detroit gives us the lower of the picks which will be Boston like no matter what pretty much um yeah i mean there there is there is a world where they both miss the playoffs but the fact that the sens couldn't even get an unconditional first is kind of rough i yeah i mean i say that outside of like top 10 protected that i think that's just standard these days um but yeah to to be like we either get your first round pick or the pick of the team that just set the record for most points in a season. Ugh, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. I don't know. It just, I don't know. It's a weird uh, condition, too, because uh, obviously Detroit isn't going to be better than Boston. Like, Boston is no going to have a bit of a fall-off, but they're still going to be good. And Detroit is probably going to be, like, pretty close to the Sens in the standings. So, it's not... Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's a weird condition that they wouldn't like. Obviously, Detroit doesn't want to give up their own first, but I feel like then the Boston first. It's a there's a huge difference there. So the the condition it kind of sucks. Yeah, and I think it's uh, I can't remember what the condition on it is. If so, I think it's also protected. I think Boston's first is top ten protected from when they sent it to Detroit. So yeah, the if original both trade. teams completely fall off, Detroit can be like, "We're going to give you Boston's pick." Uh oh, it's top ten protected. So then it's uh, then moved to 
2025 i think is the way that that would work something like that there's a there's a possibility where it goes to next year yeah. i probably should have just Boston's pulled up cap or... friendly to look but um, yeah off the top of my head i think that's more or less what it is um mm-hmm. either way the sends for yeah so anyway the, the first round pick going to the sends from the debrinka trades probably going to be somewhere around 20 to 25 realistically yeah um which isn't great when you gave up seventh overall a year before this this trade was made anyway. mm-hmm. that's even if the pick doesn't end up being too high i'm just glad that we have two firsts for this year and i hope that we don't end up trading either of them even if we're in the playoff race because oh my god ho- yeah. holy crap do we need to restock the cupboards especially we might get into the, into this a little bit later but some of the uh players who were waived by the sends this season that just kind of shows how we need to keep more first round picks and actually hit on them for once yeah, um, I don't remember the exact stat, and and I don't remember who tweeted this. So sorry uh, to whoever tweeted it, but I think it was something like between 2016 and 2019, the Sens had I want to say it was nine or ten first and second round picks, and Brady Kachuk's the only one that oh God. is on the team. The, I didn't realize it was that many picks too. Like, I mean, uh, you look you look back on it, right? So 2016, Logan Brown, dust, um, trash. 2017. Was 2017 Lassie? No, uh, that, he was 19. Was, 2017 was Shane Bowers. Oh. Um, who he I, was also know, on waivers for probably like the fourth yeah, time bad, in his so, career. So bad trade, trading him out in the Duchesne trade. It didn't really lose out on much there. 2018 yeah. was... 2019 was Lassie Thompson, I think. Yeah, that's right. So 2018 was JBD? Uh, 20... Was wait was Kachuk twenty eighteen draft? Was that right? Kachuk was twenty eighteen. But did they have a second? They were both. Yeah, they were in the same year. They were in the same year. Yeah. Yeah. So JBD, right? Mm-hmm. As far as like the late ones who aren't on the team, and then yeah, I mean second round picks. I don't remember them all. Johnny uh, Tychonic, Tychonic. I already forget how to pronounce his name. He was a second round pick in twenty eighteen or nineteen as well. Anyway, so all that to say, Kachuk's the only one uh, currently on the team from those draft years. Um, mm-hmm. Could you okay? So I had this conversation the other day, and we're kind of, I'm kind of all over the place here, but we're talking about the draft. Um, Go for it. On a redraft in 2020, the Sens probably have the top two picks. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Had the Sens somehow squeaked out first and second overall in 2020, <laughs> there is no doubt in anyone's mind they were going Lafreniere Byfield, right? Um. Probably. I think they were extremely high on Stussel and Sanderson, so right. I'm tempted to say that they would have just taken one of them, but I feel like because... Maybe Lafreniere Stutzla then. But the thing is, I feel like unless they... Because Stutzla was drafted as a winger, right? And then you're not going to draft yeah. Lafreniere and Stutzla both as left wings, so unless they fully expected Stutzla to become a full-time center, which I don't really think they did, considering they weren't even going to do it at all uh, until Norris had the injury troubles. Um, yeah. I think you're right. I think they probably would have done Lafreniere Byfield, and that would have been bad. Yeah, so, I mean, Byfield still has some time. Um, moving him to the wing on the top line in LA, I think, is going to be great for him. Mm-hmm. Um, He'll be good, but it's just, it's taking longer. But it's just, so all that to say, Yes, the Sens have a track record of scouting some gems in late rounds, and that's fun. I like that. It's a blast when that happens. Hasn't happened in a while, but I would much prefer a team that can hit their first and second round picks Mm -hmm. consistently, which they can't. 
and have not for a long time. Yeah. Whenever the Sens can... pick 15th or later, it's it's usually it's, I mean, a mess. It's usually pretty bad. Um, and not to say that every draft pick drafted between 15 and and 32nd is a guaranteed for sure everyday NHL player. That's, I know I know that's not how it works, but this is a team with a with a track record of very very poor drafting early on outside of top five picks. Mm-hmm. And earlier we were talking about being capped out. And when you're this close to the cap, you need like a steady stream of your first and your second round picks actually developing and being able to step into the bottom of the lineup and be everyday NHL players. And we have seen that some of our recent picks can't do that now, like three, four years after being drafted to the point where they have to get waived, which is just really disappointing. So as I was saying about the Debrinket trade, I think that's the main thing I'm happy about is just that we have a second first round pick, even if it's oh, yeah. not going to be good. This started with the Debrinket trade, huh? It, oh, it did. Man. I mean, we can <laughs> we can go wherever we want, but it, it kind of ties in <laughs> with because those first round picks, like, and we'll have a new scouting staff too, or at least a new head of scouting, right? Because uh, the Man brothers are both gone. Um, yeah. So, so there, there is a little bit of optimism that maybe if we keep both of those two first round picks, we can get some good young talent again this year. But it's, it's been hit and miss for the Sens, so we can't say for sure. Yeah, and even the ones that you have in the minors that you want to call up, you know, Yarventi or Sokolov or whoever, you can't, you don't have the cap space for it. So the mm-hmm. very few instances where okay, ELC contract and showing promise, oh shit, you're stuck in Belleville. Sorry um bad situation that's that's the thing though if we had more good young guys coming up like you don't have to sign someone like McEwen you don't have to uh play certain guys certain guys who stick around in the bottom six for a few years which we've seen a lot on this team like whether or not they really improve or deserve to keep the spot or anything you need guys to be pushing them and just uh, developing as young players to be able to just say okay this guy this young guy is better now so this other guy who's been in our bottom six for a while has to go on waivers you know and we're just going to replace him yeah. but we're we're not in that situation we're just we have these guys that mostly aren't good enough to make the team especially on defense like um i don't i guess everyone knows what we're talking about i don't need to specifically call out bernard docker and thompson but it's it's mostly them that i'm talking about especially like with the hamonet contract i think dorian kind of knew that neither of those guys were going to uh beat out hamonet in camp so he was just like yeah we better make sure that hamonet is still in camp because he didn't want to run either of those guys as his number 60 and especially for bernard docker five years after his draft that's not good no um at that point you just you kind of know that you uh don't really have anything there um i don't know i i i think just watching thompson get absolutely caved in for his what three or four games he played uh with the Sens last year mm-hmm. at that point i was like okay i yeah I'm, I'm a little, little lukewarm on 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 him jbd i still have some hope for um yeah. just just because when when someone is advertised as you know mostly like a stay-at-home kind of guy i feel like you can kind of give that player a little bit more time to develop um and i don't know because every so often you you you're like oh let me look at the top 10 stat wise like stay-at-home guys this season if you're looking at like advanced stats and there's usually one who just happened to be like oh shit i'm good now at 26 like stay-at-home defensemen develop kind of weirdly i think compared to the, the the more offensive minded guys um so i want to have some faith in him but like yeah like if you're like 
like shit or get off the pot you know like mm-hmm. let's, let's 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 get going here he he reminds me of dylan Demello in that he's a defensive d who isn't super big but he he somehow like dylan Demello was somehow able to get it done and jbd just isn't it's like you're a defensive guy but you don't really get by on your size so you have to be really smart right and it's just it's just not quite there like i it makes me wish we had dylan Demello instead of hamannick you know it wouldn't uh, fit under the cap at all but i i, I miss that guy I, w- I wasn't thrilled by any means when when they traded Demello, but i wasn't that upset because it was just at a point of like just ship everything out for every pick you can possibly yeah. get your hands mm-hmm. on i think they was traded for what a third something like that third or fourth yeah no that was stupid he he would fit so well on on this team right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a shame. Well, hopefully we have enough to get by on defense anyway. I feel like most of it, this is the thing. I feel like on paper our defense, everyone was very content with it going into the season. I feel like it's just more of a matter of the defensive systems, as we were saying at the beginning of the episode. It just looks like a complete mess out there. Like regardless of the personnel, you bring in Chikrin, who's an awesome defenseman, and. It, he's great but he can't single-handedly save everything about how the team plays no. so no. It, it's gonna be interesting to see if dj can actually get these guys to play some proper defense on the subject of defense and going back to cap issues oh yeah I, just just something i want to bring up because no one wants to trade joseph anymore mm-hmm. is dj going out of his way to make branstrom the guy he barely he only played, played over 10 minutes. Yeah, 10 minutes. That's a good point. Ugh. Listen, I, I don't understand DJ not liking Branstrom as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Branstrom, and I think you put him somewhere where the, he gets minutes, he's going to finally break out. Maybe not be like a top four kind of guy on most teams, but I think he's good. I think he's a good player. I can't imagine if DJ has the ability to i don't know because branchers playing like 10 minutes and joseph has been playing second line a lot the mm-hmm. last few games yeah it's kind That's of he started on practice i honestly think this is dj being like look how good joseph is and branstrom is expendable and i don't mm-hmm. necessarily think that either one of them is especially expendable with the team that whose roster is so thin right now with these injuries and suddenly you have Ridley Gregg on the second line and, and Rourke Chartier on the third line. Like it's, I don't think that's the case at all, but I on it. And I, uh, maybe, I'll, maybe this looks a bit silly being like DJ Smith wants them to trade Branstrom. That's why Joseph's on the second line, but <laughs> oh my God. it, it kind of looks like it. It kind of looks like that's the case. You might be right, especially since, like, in at least half of the preseason games, uh, Branstrom was basically the number one D. Like, in all of the games where Shabbat and Chikrin, Shabbat, Chikrin, Sanderson, they weren't playing, there was at least, like, four games like that where it was just Branstrom and Hamannick as the top pairing. So they're kind of showcasing him like that in the preseason. And then um, you see right away tonight in the first game, dude only gets 10 minutes of ice time so i don't think the coach is the biggest fan right out the gate like even though he played pretty well last season it's he's definitely a possibility to move it's just that he makes 900k less than joseph so then it becomes you, you really gotta get pinto signed to a, a cheap contract then if uh, if it becomes branstrom that you're moving yeah but then what do you do because you trade branstrom and all of a sudden you have 5d on the roster Oh, you know, that's a good point, too, is because you have to call up Clevin to be to be the left-handed D, 
for the third pairing, and then you're only saving like one million because he's nine hundred k. You so you trade Branstrom, yeah. you call up Clev, and all of a sudden you have one right-handed guy on the team. Mm-hmm. Because I already got Shabbat, Chikrin, both lefties on the first pair. So then you got Zub and Branstrom as the two actual right-handed defensemen. And I'm not Wait, really on, someone on, who on, completely buys into left hold and on. right. Branstrom's left-handed. Oh, is he left-handed? Who am I yes, thinking of? It's, well, it's Zub and Hamannick are the right hands. I don't know why I thought Hamannick was left. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? It's reverse. I was so sure. Anyway. Um, but anyway, yeah, Clevin basically has to be the guy uh, if Branstrom goes because it's either Clevin or like what Jacob Larson or Dylan Hetherington, which is not, that's not the not ideal. No. And like, oh, that makes me so mad because I loved whenever we got a glimpse of Branstrom Clevin. Yeah, that was good. Oh, looks that so was good. good. If you could looks just so good. remove Hamannick, you know. And anyone who's watched Game Over last season knows I have like this weird thing where I can't stand Travis Hamannick. Um, <laughs> and I don't want it to sound like I'm saying all of this because I'm not a fan of Hamannick. I'm saying this because I am a fan of Branstrom that I yeah. really, really want. I really wanted it to be Branstrom Clevin as the third pair for the next few years. Like, I honestly think that'd be a great, great third pair. But I have no idea. You can't really blame Travis Hamannick too much for like the team's defensive problems. But oh no, like, absolutely not. But Sanderson had to carry Hamannick all year last year, and he did great. But it you know it would have been better if he played with Zub all year. And then uh, now Branstrom has to kind of carry Hamannick on his ice time too. So hopefully Hamannick is much better in in a reduced role. It, it wasn't great tonight, but it. It could be better because he he did have good games last year. It wasn't all bad, so hopefully he can bounce back. And, and I will say also, um, as someone who watched, I would say seventy games last season. Like obviously, mm-hmm. there are people who are going to watch every single game. I'm not one. I don't want that to be like a. I watched almost all of them, but like as someone who watches a lot of the Sens, tonight was probably a bottom five Jake Sanderson game in his career, to be honest. And which is yeah. a bummer because the dude's playing with Zub, right? And you and I thought immediately, oh my God, it's gonna be so good. Sanderson's gonna have so much more freedom to move around. Um and not worry about being anchored down. But no, like just as a uh just as a peace offering to the uh to the Hammonick hive, um even with like with Zub, Sanderson had one of his worst games, I think. So you know, not not to say that Sanderson would have scored fifty points last season if not for Hamnick. That's obviously not true, but like just just wanted to point out that uh yeah, Hamnick sucks and um <laughs> Sanderson did not play great and it wasn't because of Hamnick this time. So Yep. He will he will have to own it this time. Um I think from there, do you want to get into a little bit of uh, QA from the chat? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh the first comment that I want to mention is uh, Arham Productions. I think this was when we were talking about Corpus Allo and I was talking about future goalie situation. He said, uh, we've learned that buyouts can burn you. Because I think I was talking about like, oh, if Corpus Allo isn't like clearly the starter, he may end up being mm. a buyout. And this is something uh, that we kind of missed in terms of talking about the cap situation is why are we capped out with no bad contracts is three buyouts on the books and also the Matt Murray retained salary, which if we couldn't trade him, he would have also been a buyout probably. Uh, That was a very good point there because we are short $5 million just because of those guys, those four contracts that we're still holding money on. Yeah. And I suppose that that $5 million would 
kind of set everything up. Pay Pinto is two and a half, whatever he wants is two and a half or something along those lines. And he still have two and a half to like, you know, move guys up and down. So I guess to an, to an extent, yeah, that 5 million is playing a huge part of everything, but also that was on the books. Pierre knew yeah, that they, was there. Yeah, it's been there for a while on the books. Um, so yeah, starting next season, that one point five on Murray's done. The one point eight on Bobby Ryan's done. The seven fifty k on Michael Delzato's done. The team's actually saving cap on Colin yeah, White before being uh, yeah. Then That's three weird. years following that of eight seventy five. I don't know how that works. I'm not going to pretend to know how that works. Yeah. That's strange. <laughs> Too much fun. So about. Five that goes from five on on the cap to having a uh, yeah six hundred twenty five thousand dollar credit. So then like five and a half comes off next year plus whatever you're um, adding in cap space, which unfortunately might just be Jake Sanderson at yeah, that point. It, it, it might just be... be covering Jake Sanderson's contract. So the Sens might be in a bit of a crunch again next year, depending on how things go. Because like, what are the bad contracts expiring this year? There thing aren't is, any. I, I think you're right that there's no bad contracts. I think Tarasenko, even if he does well, is probably only going to be a one-year deal because because if he does well, yeah. we're not going to give him a raise. We're not going to have. Yeah, I don't know how you And then him. if he and then if he does poorly, he's gone anyway. So that's basically then ten million from there. Uh, some of that goes to Sanderson, and then we will find a way to get Pinto in somehow. From there, yeah. I would be pretty positive because once. Pinto was signed, then we have the whole forward core pretty much ready to go. And the whole decor is locked up, at least uh, Chikrin with one more year. That's the only thing that's not really, but um, yeah, it's, it will look pretty good for at least a couple of years then after after that dead money comes off the books. Yeah, but then who do you put on the on the second line wing? Because the problem is that I think hmm. Tarasenko is a perfect, like, com- like he complements the top six so well, even if he is mm-hmm. technically on the third line right now, yeah. whatever. Um then I don't know what you do. Do you try and re-up Kubalik at like a small raise if he scores 20, 25 goals and then just stick him on the second line? I still think he's a perfect third liner. I don't like yeah. him on the second line. Um, I don't know. You just got to pray for some great ELC contracts coming up next year, I think. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like I was talking about earlier, this is where you need the young guys coming up. Like Yarventi had an amazing preseason, so hopefully he can build off of that and maybe we can slide him in, into second line left wing or something next season. Like we need yeah. we need those young guys coming up. So I hope that uh, we keep those two first round picks and uh, make good on them uh, this summer. Um, from there, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I got to read through the chat a little bit more. It, 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 was there any, any more thoughts you had on that? No, I just think, um, God, I don't know. It's just, I'll, I'll just go back to what I said before. Um, Pierre knew what the cap was. Mm-hmm. He knew what the payroll was and he didn't have a plan. It's been two months since the cap has been right where this, like they signed, you signed Tarasenko. You have over two months till the season starts and you do nothing. Yeah. It's like he had all that time to do. And something. I know we're, we're, we're singing math, Matthew Joseph's uh, like we're, we're, we're singing his, 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 his praises right now. He's so good. He's doing great. Yes, he is. I would still prefer Pinto on the team. At oh, the definitely. The day. Definitely. That's for sure. So, for sure. You didn't move him. You didn't move Brandstrom. 
he had two months, dude. Like, mm-hmm. just I don't know. It's it's embarrassing. He I, I, honestly he should be embarrassed. Unless there's some <laughs> weird, I can't harsh. I can't even imagine what this scenario would be if there's something going on behind the scenes that would make us go, okay, no, I get it now. Maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know what that could possibly it be. It kind of just, it seems like it is what it is, right? It seems like there isn't yeah. really any information that we don't have that would change things. Like, I would be surprised. I don't, I couldn't think of what that could possibly be. I have no idea. Unless, unless it just turns out Pinto's been sitting there demanding 5 million or something. Like, there's no way, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's the only thing I could think of. But from all the reports, it sounds like, I mean, I don't want to put words into anyone's mouth, but it sounds like they aren't off on contract, right? So I, I imagine they've probably agreed on a number. Probably. And they just can't do it. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. And, like, I understand if Pierre doesn't want to attach a second to Joseph. We were just talking about how poor the early on drafting has been for the Sens and how they just haven't had those picks for years now. They need to hold on to these picks. So I understand, like, Dorian, like, not wanting to attach a, a, a pick to someone who is also playing really, really well right now just mm-hmm. to offload him to sign Pinto. But, like, he got to do something. You got to do something. From there, uh, there was also a bit of discussion in the chat about LTIR referring to Norris. So Peter Gaudet and and Rusty Carr, they were talking about that a little bit in the chat about, like, this is the mm-hmm. thing, is if Norris was just going to be out for another month, like, it seems like he's day-to-day, right? It seems like he could play yeah. in the next week or two, but if he wasn't going to, you just, obviously, you just put him on LTIR, you stash him, and then you get Pinto in at whatever number you want, right? And then you have an ec- another extra month or so, at least, to get things yeah. uh, worked out, but it just, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen, eh? I mean, we're in full speculation mode, and I'm just tossing shit out there, so let's just keep it going. Um, <laughs> What's worse? What's worse, do you think? Um, Still not being able to sign Shane Pinto? Or how much flack you would get on Twitter if Norris went straight to LTIR? Ooh. He, I, I think the team might be, I don't want to say, like, overly hopeful. Like, if the, if the medical team... If it's because from everything I've seen, because Norris is is practicing, doing everything right. If it is just the medical team being like he's not quite there yet, like he can live his everyday life. It isn't like an actually like you know like uh, debilitating injury to the point where like he can't do. Like remember um when we found out that Nicholas Backstrom had to have someone tie his shoes for him for like three seasons because oh his back was so fucked. I maybe mean, I, I might be over exaggerating. It may have been just been one season where his back was really bad. Mm-hmm. Um. So, like, you know, if if we're at the point now where Norris, his shoulder, it isn't, like, an issue of him, like, it's, like, if it is just the doctors being, like, he's so close, but he's just, we can't clear him to play, then I get it. But if the doctor's, like, he's probably going to miss, like, three weeks, at that point, just, I, I would, I mean, personally, I would just stick him on LTIR, eat that extra week that you're going to have to keep him there, mm-hmm. sign Pinto, figure it out. Yeah, but also if they haven't figured it out in two months, do they really think they're going to figure it out a month from now? Yeah, you—that's the thing—is you have to have a plan. If if they haven't done anything already, it's like, I guess you need another month to figure it out. What is there to do? Yeah, yeah, they—they should know what the plan is already, but I don't know if they do. I want to believe it. I want to believe that he's not an LTIR because he's not going to miss ten games. Mm -hmm. I really, really want to believe that by game six or game seven. He's in the lineup because if he's not, we as a fan base are going to be rightfully pissed that he wasn't put on LTIR and then they signed 
Pinto. Sign Pinto. That's the thing. You, you put his $8 million on there. You sign Pinto. And then he has, still has so much space to move guys up and down. It would make the first 10 games of the season so much easier not to not have Norris, but to have that cap flexibility. If Norris isn't playing anyway, you might as well take advantage of the fact that you can then actually move guys and not play with 11 forwards for who knows how long. Mm-hmm. Especially when we need to have a hot start to the season because our starts under DJ Smith have been horrible. Even when we didn't expect the team to be good, it's like we can't even be decent for a couple months and keep people like interested. It's like we're always just trash after the first month or two. Um, not being able to ice your best lineup is just is just a failure. Like if yeah. if they can't start stringing together wins here, uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna be a mess. I. I cannot handle another season being over in November. I can't. Me too. Me too. They need to actually like keep us invested for once. Like, oh my god. Yeah. I'm scared. And like, I'm scared. And like, we're, like we're watching the Sens as a job right now, and I love that. But the second that like, if the Sens are depressing to the point where I still don't want to watch. And I'm getting paid for it still. Yeah, that's a oh new God. level of upset. I ne- mm-hmm. I never even hit that point at the start of the rebuild or through like the really really rough patches of that. Mm-hmm. And I, that's I mean that's just the downside of expectations, right? Exactly. I was still watching every game in the worst of the rebuild, unless oh, yeah. I remember there there was like one game this one season in New Jersey. I think it was like 2019 or something. They went down five nothing in the first. I had my limits, right? So I, I shut yeah, that yeah. shit off. But other than that, I at least started watching every game during the rebuild as long as I wasn't like working or whatever. Um, yeah. So but it's getting to the point where it's like, oh, my God, please actually win some games so we can keep this interesting. Like I'll still take this over the Derek Stepan era. Oh, um, definitely, definitely. But you know, like it's a low bar we're trying to cross here. We're, we're trying. Mm. We're trying to. We're trying to. I just want an enjoyable season. And I hope people don't think we're being too negative either. I I would try to reframe it as like nervous excitement because we're so excited for the season to be back and oh, yeah, we think yeah. we think the sends should be good but we don't know if they yeah. will be it's the, it's the scary part it's we can't we can't have another wasted season with this core on that subject actually let me let me ask you really quick before we keep going to the chat and um taking any more questions that we find did you do preseason predictions for the standings yes on on my other podcast uh, extra attackers check them out on on youtube and twitter we did do that so do you have a specific question about how those predictions went uh yeah uh (laughs) specifically uh because the guys on the sdp all um had the consensus of the sends being sixth in the division where did you have ottawa I okay. Here's the thing. I feel like like I cringed when I saw all of them having the Sens at sixth in the division. But also, if you're not a Sens fan, I kind of just like understand the perspective of like, oh yeah, they're not gonna put it together yet because they never do, right? Like the last yeah. three seasons has been like, oh, they're gonna finally be good, and then they haven't been. So yeah. I get it. Um, for my preseason predictions, I think I had the Sens fourth in the Atlantic. Um. Either it was either fourth or fifth, but then but I had them as a playoff team. I think I like it was either um f- I had like four Metro, four Atlantic in the playoffs, or five Atlantic and three Metro, and I had the Sens like in the last wild card basically. 
I'm pretty much right there with you. Um, I had them and in that's, fourth. That's the optimistic side. Yeah, I, I had the Sens in fourth um, being the number one wild card. I had five mm-hmm. Atlantic teams and three Metro teams. I so. think I did it that way too with five and three as well. I can't remember, but um, I think I had like Boston and Ottawa as the two wild cards. I, I think I want to say that's what it was. Maybe Boston, or, but maybe Boston was third in the division. I don't know. I, I can't remember for sure, but I did have them in wild card. My hottest take was I had Boston in sixth. Okay. Oh my God. Like one injury, they're toast. That was my thinking. It has to be Pasternak though. If it's anyone else getting injured, they might be able to survive. But if it's Pasternak, definitely. Yeah, and if it's out. Pasternak, then two of my fantasy teams are toast. So, yeah, as well. then you're so, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I just wanted to know. I just wanted to know where you had Ottawa. Like as far as our, because it just on the subject of expectations. Yeah, to t- kind of set the the tone for the season yeah. here, we do expect it, a it's, playoff it's, team. Yeah. And, and yeah, just to reiterate, just like everyone watching, just like Mod said, that so just like Mod said, we are being very negative right now, but it's because this is the first season and I don't know how long where we're coming into it with not just like playoffs would be cool, it's playoffs or bust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last season it was like almost playoffs or bust, but we got kind of yeah. close and then everyone was mostly happy. And yeah. it, we didn't even get that close, really. We were close for like one week. Um, but now it's you are correct that it's playoffs or bust for sure. Yeah, so we're gonna be extra nitpicky this season, I think. It's yeah. gonna be a lot of a lot of uh not to say that there won't be a lot of things to be excited about and a lot of positives to talk about. I, there better be. Um, but this it, this season it just feels like it's gonna be easier to uh to start picking at the negatives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess for a little bit more of the chat activity, uh, just <laughs> to throw it back to tonight's game a little bit, uh, Newbie Sports mentioned, how about that bear hug on Branstrom? And I, <laughs> I'm glad oh that God. they mentioned this because that pissed me off so much hearing the I can't Sportsnet believe he didn't get a penalty. He, but okay, hearing the Sportsnet commentators say that Branstrom should have gotten the penalty on that play. Yeah. Did you, no, did I, that's, you that's that? what I'm saying. I, can, what? I can't believe... What the Branstrom had the fucking audacity to fall down. Yeah, that dude, to... should he? Branstrom should have been in the penalty box. He fell down. Branstrom got manhandled, and he should be in the box for that because he's not enough of a man. Like, what? What the hell was that? Like, I I don't know. Was he trying to say that, that it was interference on Branstrom because it wasn't? He was just turning around. He was just pivoting, and then nah, he gets basically got pulled down. Yeah, yeah, I know. Seth Jarvis just fucking put his arms around him and yanked him to the ground. Mm-hmm. That was uh, uh, that was an example of the refs still being in preseason form. And I'll, also yeah. on that topic, I have to say the penalty shot call was another example oh, of that, that too. Oh, that was so stupid. Because holy crap, they called it hooking as well, but that was nothing but a tiny slash. Definitely not a hook. Yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna call that, call it a slash. So even then, they got the call wrong, and it was soft as hell. So bad refing bad refing and then they called a bunch of like other soft stick infractions too throughout the night yeah the sends the sends got a power play when the hurricanes were called for holding and it definitely was not holding i don't remember what the call was exactly but uh, i just remember watching Mm -hmm. i was like that's not it's a penalty but it's not holding yeah but yeah yeah so hockey is back which means that yelling at the refs is back that's a, a classic tradition that's we we love to do it. It's it's funny with hockey where that element just kind of never goes away. It's just a constant of the refs suck. I mean, it just never changes. Uh, but it, it's a fast sport. It's hard to call everything correctly. But it, it's fun to get riled up about it sometimes. Yeah. Just wish it wasn't game one. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then, uh, I think we'll do one more chat comment before we sign off. Uh, Adam Firebear was saying, is it time to panic about DJ? Now, I wouldn't say after one game, but I would say going into this season, even before this one game, he has been on the hot seat and he will remain on the hot seat until the Sens have completed November and are not below 500, right? What is your cutoff? Oh, so I'm trying to remember how many games it is before we go to Sweden. Do you do you 13. remember the number? 13? I want to say 13. Let me double check that real quick, but I think it's 13. Yeah, because that's really the mark that we need to be judging by. Because if the team goes yeah. into Sweden uh, with a bad record, then I don't want to see DJ go to Sweden like at all. Could right? you imagine going to Sweden uh, with and that being like the interim head coach's first game? Oh, God. What a mess. <laughs> what a worse? mess that would I don't be. Know. We, need, we need to avoid that possibility. So, um, yeah, was it 13 games? 13, yeah. Yeah, so out of 13 games, like, the worst that I would probably be able to be optimistic about would be 7 and 6. Especially if a couple of those losses are overtime losses, say, yeah, like... like seven four two. Yeah, exactly, like exactly, or like seven three three or something like that. Do you yeah. remember when we got Matt Duchesne and we were going, was it also to Sweden? I think it, that was also in Sweden. Yeah. And the team had a technically positive record at that time, but it was like eight, five and five or something like that. Something stupid. The we Sens were OT losses at that point. Yeah, no, I think, I think the record was a little bit better than that. I think it was maybe more like a, like a four, like a six, three and three or something like, like it was like, you know, I, I remember I it was a lot right. of overtime losses. I remember, yeah. So like they were doing okay, and I want to say they had like by far the worst like advanced metrics in the league. Like yeah. the Sens, the Sens were like on a playoff pace while just getting absolutely caved in. And I think it was just Anderson standing on his on his head for a few mm-hmm. games. I, I want to say, um, exactly. Like just completely getting out chance. Like the deserve meter was like this fucking far on the other <laughs> yeah. team. Um, they were they were just treading water at that point, basically, and yeah. everyone was saying that it was going to come crashing down. So I'll put it this way: if our record isn't at least better than than that type of scenario, then it's a it's a disaster. Let me let me let me pull it up actually real quick. Yeah, gonna find the the exact record before before the previous Sweden because trip. I I think we need disaster. to have this on record, right? Like I think yeah. we need to be like this is what the Sens were last time they went to Sweden mm-hmm. and completely fell off. I think it might um, be see. more games uh, last time, like more games yeah. before Sweden. For some reason, I seem to remember the numbers 8, 5, and 5 in my head. It would be insane Maybe if that's right. correct. It would be insane if that's correct. I wanna, I'm want i actually curious to know now if I, Let's see here. If I remember th- um, that accurately. <laughs> um, uh, the first... What? What, the first what three games went to a shootout that season. All of them. I remember the dude. I know it was a bunch of overtime losses. Wait, I, I want to see this now. They, too. So they lost the first two games of the season in a shootout to the Caps and the Wings, and they won in the shootout against the Canucks. So it goes what two zero oh, and three, uh, two one and three, two one and four, three one and four, three one and five. Five one and five, five one and six. 
five, two, and six. I think my number six, is very close from what two I'm saying. Two and six, six, three, and six, seven, eight, three, and six, seven, four, and six, seven, four, and seven. Oh, no, I, I passed. I passed it. Never mind. Hold on. That's my bad. Uh, why am I doing that? I can just. I can just highlight it. Six, three, and five. Yeah, six, three, and five? Six, three, and five. The Sens went into Sweden winning oh, yeah. three. You're right. <laughs> they went into Sweden winning six of their 14 games. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It's so... So that's the, that's the bare minimum, right? Like... It has to be so better six than that. out of fourteen didn't work, so we need seven out of thirteen, and then we're in the clear. Then we're good. Then DJ is fine. Then he's safe. God, that's oh my god, that's terrible. Oh, some of these games, I'm, like I'm looking at these scores and remembering some of these games and just cringing. Like oh god, just remembering what happened. Like eight three loss to Montreal. Holy shit! Don't want to remember those ones. Oh my god. And going into Vegas and for the first time and just getting shit kicked in their in in their oh, igno- yeah. inaugural season. That's brutal. But yeah, um so yeah, I think I think I'm I'm with you on that. I think bare minimum, you better win seven out of thirteen games. Uh, but if the Sens only win seven of the first thirteen games, I am on like next loss you kick his ass out yeah it's red alert at that point right i mean then you can't i mean you can't use two games in sweden he's gonna if he if he's st- if, if dj's the coach going into sweden he's still gonna be the coach heading home like you're not gonna be like you're fired get your own flight back to fucking ottawa mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. ideally it's eight but no i think you're right bare minimum is seven if the sends get to that point where you can't even win seven games before you go like if the sends are like two and four you gotta like I'm sorry, DJ. You gotta do it. You you have to replace him. Yeah, we can't fuck around and waste time this season. We have to. We no. have to get going. We have to actually just not fall behind the pace of everyone else because there's always that American Thanksgiving rule that uh, right. usually if you're out of it before or at American Thanksgiving, you're not gonna get in. It's pretty unlikely. So we have to at least be close. Like. God, this is going to be an interesting season, man. I don't know. I don't know what to expect. It was a roller coaster of a game today and some good things, some bad things. I'm I'm still excited for the home opener because we're playing a much worse team. So hopefully that will be an easier chance at getting a win. Yeah, and it's not exactly the easiest schedule um, in those first 13 games. Flyers a lot of home should be games, able to win. Though. Yeah, but then, I mean, the Caps, you should be able to win, but you got to play the Lightning. Uh, Red Wings, I could see going either way. Um, mm-hmm. Red Wings should be worse than Ottawa this year, but then it's the Sabres, Islanders, probably a playoff team. Penguins, that could go either way. Oh my god, yep. the Penguins, the Penguins could like win the division. Probably not win the. Uh, actually, I take that back. They can't win the division, but uh, Penguins could easily be like the third, third in the division, or like dead last. Like a couple of injuries and it's over. Kings are good. Lightning again. Leafs. Uh, Canucks and Flames. Like, of those first 13 games, it's possible three are against non playoff teams. 
yeah, it's a lot of teams that are definitely going to be in and a lot of teams that are going to be in the mix for sure too. So not a lot of bottom feeders. It's really just Philly. Eh? Yeah. On the flip side of that, at least you aren't playing a bunch of like terrible teams and then suddenly are feeling so confident after that. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. going into that Sweden trip, I think because of the quality of, of teams that Ottawa's playing, we're going to have a better idea of what the team actually is, which yeah. is nice, but That's I the also thing. don't they, know if that means that the rest of the schedule is going to be easier at all. Probably not. But. They got to be good right away. There's yeah. lots of solid opponents coming up, so it's going to be real interesting. We're either going to be having a lot of fun in the next couple of weeks on this show celebrating wins or it's going to be a lot of ranting it really could go either way but uh i think that's where we're going to leave it here tonight um anything else you you had on your mind charlie i just i okay so we're going to reiterate yeah we're excited we have high hopes for this team and because of those high hopes we're going to be extra picky about things we are maybe going to highlight negatives more than we did last season and oh my god i did not i did but also did not miss having expectations for the Suns. yep it's last year was like the little taste of having expectations but they got dashed really quickly so now i'm just scared that that's gonna happen again and like just just at bare minimum to make me happy just be in the wild card race the whole year even if you end up like losing it at the end and we miss by like two points or something just just keep my heart in it the whole way you know because last year we were like scraping for reasons to be like oh well if they win uh five out of the last seven games they could still make it like we don't want to be doing that again this year so it's gonna be interesting i am excited for the record Mm-hmm. We're both yes. excited. We are excited. Put, we your, are excited. put your happy face Hockey's on, Hockey's back. Game yes. Over is back. Season 2 of Game Over Ottawa. It's all good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, God, we were we were pretty negative for, for like for like nearly an hour and 20 minutes uh, to start the season. It's just because there's so many questions. I think it's less neg- negativity and it's just a lot of interesting discussion on oh, how... Yeah, yeah. How is this going to play out? We really don't know. It's not just like yeah. a slam dunk. Oh, this team is definitely going to be in the playoffs. It it could go either way. So yeah, and I think it's, it's important to note that like mm-hmm. this this wouldn't have been a very different if the Sens had won three nothing tonight. This episode would have been more or less the same. Yeah, I think so. So I I don't want people to think we're overreacting to one game. I don't like that's not the case. The Sens basically got shit kicked by like the Stanley Cup favorites. It's the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um. I wouldn't have been like shocked if this ends one. I would have been happily surprised. So like, th- you know, anyway, um, we're not being overly negative. It's all about expectations. Yeah. I think it's uh, good to have expectations at this point because yeah. we have to have some standards with all of the sense hockey we've last, we've watched and sat through in the last like six years. Uh, we have to have expectations at some point. So uh, it was a fun game tonight. It was a complete roller coaster ride. The last uh, 15 minutes or so were not fun. Uh, it it, it kind of fell off the rails there. The roller coaster went flying off the track. Yeah. And uh, outside of that, uh, outside of the 35 seconds with those two goals, I would say the last 25 to 30 minutes sucked. Yep, totally. That is yeah. that is 100 percent accurate. So 
hopefully a much better 60 minute effort coming against the Flyers on Saturday for the home opener. And then we're really going to get into the swing of things with a lot of games. We got a back to back coming up already uh, on the weekend. I will be doing the Philadelphia game on Saturday and Charlie will be covering uh, the Tampa Bay game on Sunday. So lots of game over Ottawa coming your way after every single Sens game. Go Sens go. And, uh, I wish I was doing the Flyers game instead, but I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, I'm going to the Tampa game, so I will. Oh, if it yeah. ends up being a shitty one, then we'll both be suffering because I will be there in person. So I'll get you to call in on, your, on, on the drive home. <laughs> just, yeah, just, it, just scream. Okay. If it's a disaster, we should try to do that. Like, if it's. That would be fun. If it's a joke of a game, like after the second period and we're getting our asses kicked, like, we, let's try to coordinate that or something because. That'd be really funny. I like the sound of that. But hopefully we don't have to do that. Hopefully it's a good game and you can just have a great show and I can have a great time at the game. Yeah, fingers um, crossed. It's we'll all going to be positive after that one. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's where we're going to leave it here for tonight. Thank you everyone so much for watching. Uh, it's going to be an awesome season, season two of Game Over Ottawa coming up for you. Lots of content again after every Sens game. So uh, subscribe to SDPN if you're not so you never miss a stream. Leave a like on the video because it helps. And thank you so much for watching and listening.